Uh, this is a guy we were trying to connect up with yesterday, but he was busy. We were busy. Didn't happen, but we've got him today to kick us off. And that's uh, somebody from my neck of the woods. I actually don't know where he is, but I know he lives a few blocks from me here in Tacoma Park, the People's Republic of Tacoma Park, bluer than blue. Damon Silvers, he's a uh, director of policy and special counsel and uh, whatever else uh, Rich Trumpka needs help around the House of Labor, uh, <laughs> our very own Damon Silvers. Damon, good to see you, brother. Hey, brother Chris, how are you doing? Uh, you know, better and better. I, I, I was uh, I was a little grumpy when I woke up this morning, but uh, I, I, I get speak some truth to me here. What uh, what? Uh, <laughs> how, how are things looking from from your angle? Well, um, I, I think it's it's our view that uh, that uh, we've given Donald Trump the pink slip. That it that it is it is over. Uh, it is it is all over. But the shouting. There's going to be a lot of shouting. There's going to be a lot of shouting <laughs> and tweeting and various other things. And a lot of lawyers are going to run around. But it's over. Uh, it, that that is uh, that is uh, the view of DAFL-CIO, uh, and and it is over la in large part because of what working people did and what organized working people did uh, in uh, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, uh, and Nevada, uh, and. Uh, um, so, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I think there's a reality here, which is that a lot of people feeling a little heavy today in various ways. Uh, and I think it's real, real important. And, uh, I bring this message from president Trump the president of the AFL CIO. It's just like real important to remember here. If I told you 18 months ago that on this day, right. No November 4th, 2020, right. We would have defeated Donald Trump. How would you feel? <laughs> um words cannot express my brother words cannot express uh, we we uh we had some bottles uh, ready to crack last night didn't jeremy did you ever get in that bourbon <laughs> uh i i had uh other stuff other stuff okay. yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't ready to celebrate last night so i had to i had to crack into the other stuff okay all right so yeah no we would uh but 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 let's let's just back up here a sec, Damon. I mean, last night, I mean, and you were there four years ago at the AFL when uh, things went went sideways. I mean, it was. I think a lot of us really, you know, we didn't want to see a replay of sixteen, but you know, the number, you know, and I think I, I know I was having this sense of deja vu all over again, right? I mean, you know, we were feeling pretty comfortable. We were looking. We talked to Charlie down in Georgia. We were talking to folks in Michigan. I mean, we were feeling you know, pretty cautiously optimistic. And, and for good reason. We won Michigan and we may yet win Georgia. Okay. I mean, I think I, I, I think we need to kind of look, I think, yes, the the I mean, we have to recognize that we all read polls that uh, in various ways created expectations that did not come to pass for last night. But but we need to look past that. Right. It's like the polls, the polls are, are, are the poll. <laughs> there, there's, there's an old saying that there's, there's talk about money and there's actual money. Right. The, 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 the polls are the talk about an election. This is the actual election and we have won. It's pretty amazing. It is pretty, <laughs> like you say, it's probably gonna be full employment for some lawyers for a bit while we, while we hash this stuff. Oh out. yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, but, I I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, I want to. Uh, I want to. First of all, I think we have Deanna uh, uh, Forrester from the uh, Metro Council, if I'm not mistaken, and I want to make sure that we get her introduced and and get her live. Deanna, are you there? 
I'm here. So glad to have you. Uh, let, let's get, you were just downtown uh, at the, uh, at the um, uh, demonstration in uh, McPherson Square. So before we open it up to uh, my colleagues for questions and comments, uh, tell us about how that went. It was a defend the vote uh, rally, yeah? Yeah, um, the call was to make sure that every vote was is counted. Um, yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm sure like everyone. <laughs> Join the crowd. Join the crowd. Yes, exactly. Um, and it, it was good. I'm glad because I, you know, after driving around to a couple of polls yesterday, um, probably set up and listened to the results coming in. So it felt good to be around like-minded people, um, our colleagues, our comrades in the front line, um, 32BJ Unite Here, um, a lot of local local ANC commissioners um, from DC um, were there. Um, so I think that a lot of people just felt like they wanted to come together, especially we all been isolated for so long. Um, and the, the definitely a different feeling than um, other events have been, or even some of the stuff that's been portrayed, um, you know, as far as the protests and the um, disruption, no disruption, very peaceful, um, everyone calling to make sure that, especially with Trump announcing last night that um, he won in his own mind, um, that every vote on it. Um, so it was really good. They, um, when I left from down there, we, they were getting ready to march, but they um, put up um, 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 Biden's um, speech on the um the big screen so mm -hmm. it was good yeah in fact before we go on uh evan you probably i think you want to share the latest map that we have because it was it's almost uh, changing by the minute so let's see where we actually are at the moment 264 this is uh politica okay so biden's at 264 trump's at 214 so there's we're looking at Nevada right now. Uh, Biden's up by 8,000 votes. Um, going to Pennsylvania, we have Trump up by 300,000. 86% of the expected vote is in North Carolina. Here, let me get that down there. Uh, North Carolina is Biden's only very close, less than 100,000 votes with 94% in. And then Georgia is a very interesting one as well. It's uh, just about 100,000 votes. And I pulled this uh, article up um, from the Wall Street on Parade that talks a little bit about George, uh, Judge Sullivan's um, directive at U.S. Postal Service and DeJoy to count the ballots. And they actually go through this percentage right here that is um, looking at the number of ballots that the post office is still holding on to. So you can see that in central Pennsylvania, 70% have been delivered, which means that 30% were not delivered. Uh, almost 20% uh, were not delivered in Philadelphia, 23% in Detroit, 46% uh, in Colorado and Wyoming, mail-in ballots are still um, with the post office. You got 39% in Atlanta, 20% in Houston, 31% in Alabama, I mean, what, what type of uh, effect would that have with uh, the Senate race down there? In the New England area, it's, it's nearly 30% for Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. 
and in uh, South Carolina even, 21%. Uh, would that have had any effect with the Harrison race? Probably not. And then South Florida as well, uh, 25 um, or yeah, 25% and 20% Wisconsin. So let me uh, let me go back to Damon for you know, just sort of some comment on on that, and then I want to uh, you know, talk about what's next for labor. I mean, there was a big concern, uh, Damon, about uh, you know folks mailing in, um, and, and clearly, I think we're seeing that we've been seeing that today, right? As those as those votes were being counted, and this seems like it was part of the GOP strategy, uh, knowing that that the uh, the mail-in was was going to skew more democratically, and and you know with Trump trying to claim victory at two o'clock in the morning. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I mean. It's critical to understanding what's going on to understand that the mail-in ballots uh, are, are, over, are overwhelmingly Biden ballots uh, mm -hmm. and that the states count them in, in different orders. Uh, and and uh, the, there pretty clearly was a, a, an effort by, by President Trump and by, and by DeJoy, his postmaster general, to mess with the, the or at least the question whether they how effectively they were messing with the post office is another question. Right. They were certainly, right. certainly they certainly wanted us to believe that. Um, I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of numbers and this kind of thing being thrown around. I think we have to let the dust settle on that. I can tell you right now, and I'm a little puzzled by the math associated with that map, because that map just showed uh, if 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 you count Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, and the three votes in Maine, and the one vote in Nebraska, right? That is 270. That is, right. that is, vic that is victory. That, and, that map and, wasn't showing Nevada. Right. Uh, I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't see from the way you guys put it up there. Uh, and we are, the reason why I said so, so, so convinced, so straightforwardly before, uh, we believe we have won this election is because we believe that those states are in the bag, that that is solid. And we also believe that we are going to win Pennsylvania. And I think the number you do, I hadn't seen the Pennsylvania number. If we're at 86% and the, and the gap is 300,000 votes, we're going to win. Uh, the, uh, and, and, that, and that assumes that there actually aren't like hundreds of thousands of ballots somewhere in the, in the post office. Remember in Pennsylvania, because of this Pennsylvania Supreme Court order, ballots can be validly delivered until Friday. So that if there are, uh, and there's a federal judge chasing them, if there are a lot of undelivered ballots actually in the postal service and not simply ballots that were not actually not mailed in the end, but people actually went and voted in person instead, or they dropped them off or whatever, there actually are about large numbers of ballots in the postal system. Uh, I, I think those ballots are going to get squeezed out by Friday, at least in Pennsylvania. And what happens elsewhere, I think, well, we'll see. We'll see what, what kind of facts emerge. Um, there are lots of federal judges and state attorney generals overseeing the post office uh, and uh, I think we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, how, how that uh, unfolds. Um, I, I, I think it's just really important to understand here right now today as we speak, right, that um, although it wasn't, although, <laughs> let's put it this way, uh, it would have been nicer to have won a huge and resounding victory by, you know, double digits that we have won. And we didn't win just by accident. We won because of a huge effort by the labor movement in the critical places, not just to, not just to talk about the issues and, and understand why Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were the right people for working people, but to turn out the vote and to protect the vote. We were, uh, the, 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 
the, the labor movement was, was out in force protecting the vote today, protecting the count in, in Detroit, in, in Pittsburgh, in Philadelphia, turning situations that where people were trying to provoke stuff into calm, lawful democratic processes. And it, it really shows that it, 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 you know, there's no question that Donald Trump was engaged in, in, and people around him even more so were engaged in a concerted attack on our democracy. And that attack, that attack was defeated today. Thank and you. we should all remember that. No, I think that's absolutely key. And, 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 uh, and I want to welcome, uh, I'm so glad Elise could join us. Uh, we, were, we were supposed to connect up earlier for, for our own little personal therapy session. I was like, Elise, let's, let's just do it right here. You know, that's, this is, uh, that's what the network is here for. So Elise Bryan, uh, president of the Coalition of Labor Union Women. Sister Bryan, how are you feeling today? Uh, better than when I went to bed last night, <laughs> this morning at one o'clock in the morning. Got that. Uh, yeah, guys, fellow siblings, so glad to see y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to listen to what y'all have to say, because I haven't watched the news. This, being on the AFL-CIO call was the first time I've heard any report back on it. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm here to listen. Yeah, and, and I think to Damon's point, you know, and, and just to the, the bit that I've been able to, to pick up, you know, I really think... You know, you know, uh, I had people saying, oh, you know, you know, downtowns all over the country are boarded up. They're preparing for civil war and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and that, you know, did not happen. There was a lot of concern about, you know, intimidation at the polls. Um, and I didn't and, and I would you know, love to hear Damon, you know, you probably have your ear close to the ground on that. But I didn't hear a, a whole lot of that going on. And so in the end, it looks to me, you know, and this is maybe part of what Dame is talking about, like, you know, uh, the people did get to, you know, by and large, despite a pretty organized effort uh, to, to speak their piece. Now, you know, the fact that, you know, we very clearly have, a, have two different countries in this country. You know, you look at that map and there is definitely, uh, you know, a red America and a blue America. Now you go down to the local level, I think it gets to be a lot more complicated. And in fact, uh, you know, Virginia, I think, is a good example of that, depending on, on where you are, uh, you know, even in that, that you know, it kind of breaks out. Ah, good. Mark, Mark Groomberg from PAI Labor News has uh, joined us. And I know, Mark, you've had your ear uh, close to the ground. Do you have some uh, labor news for us to report? Yeah, I do. Thank you, Chris. Sorry, I'm a little late. I was out at uh, McPherson Square with the Protect Our Votes people, um, of which there was a very good crowd, by the way. Uh, I would guess several hundred, you know, say about 200 or so, everybody is socially distancing and wearing masks. Um, and there was a lot of enthusiasm. Unfortunately, the two, two of the three union leaders who were scheduled to show couldn't. Uh, John, uh, John Costa of the ATU and um, uh, what's her first name? Davis of, of Washington Teachers Union couldn't make oh, it. Uh -huh. Liz Davis. Uh, but the uh, SEIU 32BJ did, as did other as did other progressive groups, 51 for 51, uh, United We Dream, so on and so forth. They were they were all out there, again emphasizing protect the vote, protect the vote, protect the vote. Um, nobody. And that's what the, that's what DC is doing. Now we switch to the national, uh, which is why I spent much of today on before going to that. Uh, there have been demonstrations all over the country, similar protect the vote, but but in Chicago, my old hometown, thank you, 
eight unions got together for a pro for a demonstration that let's see it's 5:30 our time so it's going to start in half an hour their time in the loop same theme but these eight led by the Chicago Teachers Union which is known for its activism and militancy have said that if Trump tries to basically steal the election they are going to demand a general strike and they aren't the first the difference is it's a block of eight this time so let me um, let me go over to Damon because I know there's been a lot of meetings and and, and what and you and you sort of alluded to this but I want to get into a little bit more and also uh, any of the rest of the crew here you know can jump in this is a free-for-all uh, we're all sort of venting finding out information and uh, having a therapeutic session so I don't mean to monopolize <laughs> but but Damon I want to get a sense of uh, I mean I know there's a lot of lawyers on 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 the Trump side he's been talking about it for days um, uh, and, and frankly, a lot of us have, you know, uh, PTSD from, you know, four years ago or what shit. I, I still have it from when Gore, you know, uh, sort of was very <laughs> peaceful and, you know, let the process, you know, let the process play out. And we saw how that worked out. Um, who, who is it not only from the Democratic side, but where, where is labor in this mix? What's, what's our plan? Well, um, we have a comprehensive plan for dealing with threats to the election. Um, uh, organized b before the election uh, in concert with community allies in the key battleground states, uh, you know, relying on the labor movements, uh, regional and state uh, structures. And uh, with, uh, we have legal coordinators set up and, and we have a press structure, a communication structure and, and a mobilization structure. And, um, uh, we were very, you could see, uh, we were very effective using that, putting that structure into use today in Michigan when there were, uh, when there were people who were trying to disrupt the lawful counting of ballots in, in Detroit. Uh, and, um, and, and I, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that structure will work if, if there are more, if there are, um, you know, if we have to, if we have to mobilize in, resp in response to any threat to the vote. And uh, uh, Rich Trumka, the president of the AFL-CIO, has made really clear on many occasions that it is not by it is not by lawyers or judges or reporters or publishers, uh, not even by podcasters, that uh, that um, our democracy uh, that our democracy is maintained. But it is simply by the determination of working people to defend it. And no one should be under any illusion or confusion about how it stands right now today in America, which is that working people and their unions are prepared to, to defend democracy, whatever that means and whatever that takes. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but, but really that's all we have to say because we're also going to be proportionate, meaning that we are not gonna be the first people. We are not gonna be the first people to step outside uh, of the lines of democratic conduct, civility and law. We're, we're, not, we're not gonna be that. And, and we saw that already today. We saw, we saw the, the Trump people trying to disrupt our democracy, right? And it was working people who said, no, let the votes be counted, leave those people alone, sit down, be quiet, act like a normal person. And, and, and you know, our people can be quite persuasive in that, in that way. <laughs> hey, uh, Patrick, you've got a question. Thank you, this is Patrick Dixon. Damon, from what, what I understand then, the case you're making is that Trump can have all the lawyers he likes. He can have Ty Cobb, he can have Alan Dershowitz. Uh, 
you know, he can have as many lawyers as he likes, but he doesn't have a case. Um, just a brief second question. Supposing it's, supposing this is the beginning of the end, as, as you're suggesting, do, do we need to worry about the next two months? Uh, Good question. A lame duck, yeah. unhinged. Um, <laughs> An unhinged lame duck. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I can help answer that. I, I, be, <laughs> I think you should always be uh, be uh, afraid of unhinged lame ducks. It just sounds really scary. Right. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, I'm tempted to use a hunting metaphor. I won't. Uh, the um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the um, no. Look, a couple things here. Look, I, I I was a senior lawyer on the ground in Florida in 2000. And you know, you learned, we learned a couple things from that experience. Uh, one of them is that these types of, the, the, these situations are fundamentally political, they're not legal. They're fundamentally, they're fundamentally won by the side that, that, that has the popular support that gets its message across uh, and, that, uh, and, and it fights one day longer, as we say in a strike, one day longer. Uh, and, and, and one, you know, and you know, one ounce of will harder. Uh, I, I think we've got that today. Uh, I don't think Donald Trump and his people have that. Um, a, so secondly, secondly, you know, in Florida in 2000, the margin was 500 votes. And five, when, when the margin, when the, whole, when the whole presidency hangs on 500 votes, then all kinds of craziness and legal arguments and so forth appear to be significant. But that, that is not the situation we have here. We, we, we've, we've won solid, we've won solid, but small, but solid margin, small, but solid victories in, in multiple key states. And, uh, and I think we're likely to win at least one more. I think Pennsylvania is likely to end up uh, in, in Biden's column. And it's very hard to undo those things uh, in recounts and the like, particularly uh, when the Democrats have won, because it's it typically in recounts uh, that the, the, the that it turns out that that you know it's it's Democratic voters who've been disenfranchised in the initial count, and who get brought who get brought back in. So so I, I'm not as you said about uh, about lawyers. I don't think that Trump and his lawyers have a case, and every case they've brought in the last 48 hours trying to affect the uh, the conduct of the election has been thrown out of court, including by some including by some very conservative judges who basically were embarrassed to be, have to be asked to do stuff like that. Um, the issue of, do we have something to worry about? Listen, until, uh, uh, until, uh, until Joe Biden raises his right hand on the steps of the Capitol on January, in January, we have something to worry about. We're dealing with a desperate and lawless man in Donald Trump uh, and a group of people who, who really, around him, who really, uh, uh, are at odds with our traditions of our democratic republic, and as long as you have people like that in power, you, you have to, you know, be ready for anything. And we are ready for anything. Um, I, I, I would also say that that um, we, we have another problem, uh, which is that our country's in a lot of trouble. Uh, the virus is raging. Our economy is is uh, is vulnerable, and and we have to. And we have to be concerned that we're going to have uh, a, 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 you know, a president who is essentially ignoring all of that, abdicating his responsibilities as he has all along here to protect and defend the American people. Uh, that that you, you ask, is there reason to be worried? That there's reason to be worried about that, right? There's reason to be worried about, you know, they say, they say about a lame duck that the United States has one president at a time. 
right? Not to, right? That the, the president-elect is not the president until he's or she is sworn in. And it's very important to maintain that distinction. Well, that is, that is use, that's usually true, but we are threatened in this situation with the prospect of zero presidents at a time. Uh, and, and that is, uh, and that is a uh, reason for, uh, that is reason for, uh, concern. Uh, um, not that, not that I think we're going to see, not that I think we're going to see Joe Biden attempt to, to, you know, try to fill that vacuum. It's improper. Uh, but, but, but we need to be concerned about the possibility of a, of a president Trump who even more than in the last four years, really, uh, it, it, it sort of abdicates his responsibilities during this period. Well, Damon, I mean, I mean, you can never tell with this guy when he's serious and when he's joking, but he talked about leaving the country, I think, going to his uh, golf course in Scotland. So, I mean, you could be talking about literally an absentee president, you know, leaving the country. Uh, I don't, well, how much more time do you have to spend with us? Because there's one more th uh, thing I want to ask you before you do go. Yeah, yeah well, it's fine. Just go ahead. Okay, good. Uh, I want to talk to you about Scott Reynolds in just a minute, but I think that... Uh, oh, yeah. I know, uh, but I think other folks may have uh, things that they want to jump in. Mark, you had a follow-up, I think. Yeah, if I go, if can you hear me, Chris? I can tilt your camera down though, so we can see a little bit less. just a blank on this. There's just a blank on the screen. Sorry about that. I was looking something up. Uh, to answer the previous question, yes, we've got to worry between now and then. Two, two of the non-election stories in this week's edition are going to be two Trump rules that were announced just within the last couple of days. He's given people only 30 days to comment on them one would basically blow expand the employer independent contractor dodge and the other uh, aft and other and other unions are trying to revive the permanent rule against all airborne viruses not just the coronavirus and of course trump is trying to they've had to go to court to try to do that because OSHA is sitting well, on it and it's sat on it for four years. I want years. to go back to, to Damon on this, and we can discuss this as well. I mean, Damon, he, what, I'm, what I've been wondering is that, you know, a lot of the stuff that Trump did was, I mean, I think he's issued more executive orders than, than I mean, this is one place where I think he's probably right. He pro I mean, I think I read somewhere he's done more executive orders than all the rest of the presidents combined. Certainly, it's been a lot. Um, but I was thinking that maybe an upside of that, I mean, aren't those easily reversed or undone as opposed to legislation? Uh, tell me if I'm wrong on that. As a general, I mean, that it can be complicated, but as a general matter, yes, it's easy to revoke an executive order. Um, it, you know, the, 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 um, it, it doesn't require an act of Congress. Um, there can be, there can be, uh, you have to go through, a, you have to go through, you know, there's been a lot of litigation, for example, around DACA, right, uh, which was um, uh, an executive order uh, and, and Trump's attempt to undo it. And the fact that there was no fa there was no foundation to that. Mm -hmm. they, they can undoing one can be challenged. But in general, in general, it's seen as part of the normal powers of the presidency. And so uh, but I think, look, I, I think that we're going to have challenges here because of the the uncertain state of the Senate, right. and so some, yeah. right, and, and so I, I think, uh, I think that's gonna, I think that's gonna create some challenges around uh, dealing with Trump's destructive legacy. But, but, um, yeah. but uh, I, I, I believe that the vice president and uh, the vice president Biden and Senator Harris are, are up to that, up to those challenges. I, I, I think but we'll yeah. see a, a dramatically better uh, uh, governance of our country pretty right. rapidly. Damon, before you leave. 
tell everybody the difference between an executive order and a federal regulation because a federal regulation is very hard to is very hard to get off the books once it's there. And oh, okay, so so in general, I mean, I um, I, I didn't bring my administrative law handbook handbook to this uh, to this thing, but in okay, you know. I left it in my other jacket pocket. Uh, the uh, the um, so an, a, an administrative rule, uh, which uh, it, it requires a process of notice and public comment, and it has to be um, tied very. It, it has to be tied uh, to the statute from under which it's issued. Uh, uh, an executive order, uh, and, and and once in place, to get rid of it, you have to go through uh, another process like that of of notice and public comment. And the public comments have to be taken seriously, and there are other and there are other issues. Uh, uh, many many uh, many statutes require uh, cost benefit analysis. It's it, it's a, it's a it's a relatively comp complex and formal process. Uh, the president has the authority to issue executive orders governing the management of the government. Uh, those orders do not require public notice and comment. They are effective. They are essentially effective as issued, and can be withdrawn. Now, what, what you can't do with an executive order is, you know, racially discriminate, for example, or discriminate based on religion. That was the issue with uh, with the, the repeal of DACA. Uh, um, and, and you can't do things, you can't do things, you can't say you're going to do things for one reason and the reasons that you state have no merit are lies, right? You, 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 you know, the, the, and this is the kind of thing that Trump got into. Right. Exactly. Uh, I think is Elise still here? Because I, I think I want to uh, to get some reaction from Elise. There's a, there's a question here, um, which I want to pose to to both of you, um, which is, you know, what are the next steps in the in the, in the protecting the, the vote campaign? Um, and I'm wondering, you know, Elise, you know, we've been talking with you about the activism, you know, in, in the, with the Coalition of Labor Union Women. I'd just like to get your your thoughts about next steps. I, I think that, I, and actually, I, in the D. Taylor, Unite Here president, uh -huh. in, the, in, the, in the EC meeting said, we as the labor movement need not be reactive. We need to be in action on this. Uh -huh. We need to be initiating, not waiting to react to something. Um, I know that there were no major uh, uh, disruptions uh, by Trump forces. Although, and I do, I do know that some people were harassed. Um, one of our members, one of the clue vice presidents uh, was harassed by the management of, a, of an apartment complex where she was um, leafleting. I mean, it was next to the polling place. There. Anyway, it's a long story. But, uh, and that they've been getting more reports in like that, but it's, you know, nothing major, skirmishes as opposed to big, larger taxes than we thought. But I think that, yes, we need to be thinking and planning something major in all those cities, in Detroit, in Chicago, um, wherever they're going to try to um, force, you know, use force to their influence. But the other piece of this, and, I, and I, so I think that we, and I'm not in that place to make those kind of plans, but I think that, yeah, it, it, needs, to, it needs to be happening now. Um, but the, the other piece of it that, that uh, that I was thinking about was the whole piece about patriotism. Hmm. And I, 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 you know, you know, I, my first, you know, action on college campus was against the Vietnam War. 
Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of patriotism, waving the flag and all this kind of stuff uh, was, was not something I embraced. Plus, you know, I grew up in the African-American community. Our, our neighborhood in Detroit used to be predominantly uh, immigrants from um, Italy and Poland and Hungary, right? When we, when we moved in, we were like the second black family. Every holiday, they would have flags out. As they moved away, flags disappeared. And it occurred to me, like, why don't we wave flags? And it was because as African-Americans, as my mother said, I won't stand up for a country that won't stand up for me. So I never felt a need to wrap myself in the flag. But I can see where strategically we need to be thinking about not allowing them to hold exclusively what patriotism means. Mm -hmm. you know, matriotism, I don't care. <laughs> I, I think that that's part of the psychological game and the image piece that's being played out. And I think that, you know, in terms of what they sent in terms of messages, I didn't see any of it, but I, I heard that they had commercials directed at African-American male voters. Mm -hmm. Played during sports events. Yep. And I'm like, ooh, really? <laughs> what, what do we got? You know, I mean, we're phone banking our freaking heads off. But as I learned from some other meeting with some brothers who were in filmmaking, we're talking that, the magic of film is in the editing. But it's not just putting a picture out there, it's how you put that picture together. And what kind of pictures are we putting together for our folks who are not reading as much? Somebody said to me, I was gonna throw something in the garbage, and they said, oh, don't worry about it, nobody reads. Right, I was like, well, okay. But people do, this, this visual media is really, is real and it's happening right now. So I'm just thinking like, where are we on that piece as well? I think that's a question to you, Damon, because you are, you know, at, at the position where, you know, those decisions and those plans are being made. And I guess one of the things that's come up uh, in our coverage uh, is, you know, this issue that, that you know well in the labor movement, which is, you know, every four years or every two years, and we, we mobilize really well around elections, but then we tend to demobilize pretty darn quickly, you know, after elections. Um, and that's, that's something that, that folks have been sort of wondering is, is, you know, are there plans to sort of try and take some of that energy? What, what, are, what are your thoughts? Well, what we've been saying at the FLCIO is that our job through these last few uh, weeks and, and, and going forward is, uh, is to win. And I, think, and I think while we didn't win everything, we won the things we needed to win. Mm -hmm. uh, was to win, just to defend, and that's what we're talking about right now is, is the defense of our democracy, the, the defense of our victory, and then to mobilize and, and to mobilize uh, on behalf of our agenda. Uh, it will not be enough to elect people. We have to mobilize to uh, ensure that, that they do what they said they were going to do and to prevent people like Mitch McConnell, who's not going away, uh, from blocking us. Uh, and so I, I think the answer is, yes, we have to mobilize. We have to mobilize to pass the HEROES Act immediately because the needs, the suffering that is involved here in the COVID has not gone away. Uh, and, and we have to mobilize to get the real agenda of, of building back better, as Vice President Biden says, uh, with, with labor law reform, with the right to organize. Uh, we have to have that, we have to mobilize for that agenda. So the idea of like, we are all, now we're done, we'll all go back to brunch, as somebody said, uh, it, that, that, that for, for working people, that is, not a, that is not an option. We're not going back to brunch. Uh, and, uh, and I would also say that in, immediately in, in defend agenda, uh, the FLCIO is, is urging, uh, you know, unions around the country, the labor movement around the country to take part in whatever's going on in people's communities around counting every vote, whatever 
whatever kinds of actions are being done by allies and trusted people who you know aren't going aren't to create provocations. We do not want provocations right now. Uh, but, but, but the labor movement needs to be out there sending that message. To, well, two messages. First message is count every vote. Second message is we know that if every vote is counted, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have won. All right, before we let Damon go, any questions? Jeremy, uh, Evan, Gene, uh, Evan, go ahead. So Damon and Elise as well, and, and Mark, we need more than just regulation change. I think we need a jobs program, and I think we need infrastructure spending. And I, I'm just hoping that organized labor is really going to push Biden, to push the banks, to push the Federal Reserve, and to actually create a jobs program that we haven't seen since the 1930s from whether it's a WPA program, a CCC, and a, a Works Progress Administration with a Reconstruction Finance Corporation. I mean, we have the blueprint. I hope we move that, that direction. That's just a comment. And I hope that, uh, yeah, I hope you're, you're looking at that as well. well. Well, let me just say, that's what I was just talking about a moment or so ago, okay. I, when, I, when I talked about the agenda we need to move and building back better. Um, I will say though that, that there's an awful lot of that that um it's important that the federal reserve uh and the bank regulators and the banking system play a constructive role here but if but if we want real public investment we need real public investment uh and and without that we're not going to get what we need here uh and, and that means that means investing the public's money uh in the public's infrastructure uh, and, and when you talk about the CCC and so forth, that's what those things are. That's what those things were. Now, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be challenged here a little bit, uh, particularly if we don't get to 50-50 to in the Senate, uh, that, that we're going to have to be creative and we're going to have to be aggressive uh, in terms of, uh, of you know, uh, getting, uh, getting to that, getting to 51 votes in the Senate for what we need to get done. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, um, but I think in this space, there's actually some possibility for some bipartisan work. And this is the top priority of the labor movement. Uh, Jeremy, uh, Gene, or, or, or Alan? Yeah, can I add something to what Damon was just saying? Sure. Uh, there, there was a, uh, there's a big push on, and they may try to get it in during the lame duck to set up, finally set up, after 12 years of talking about this, a national infrastructure bank to basically jumpstart the whole infrastructure program with federal funds that would that would leverage private money for everything from the tunnel under the Hudson to the to rebuilding the Woodrow Wilson Bridge to broadband to you name it. We'll see where it goes. But and Biden has also made a big deal about this, especially in Ohio and Pennsylvania. But it's not just Ohio and Pennsylvania. I can think of it. any place needs infrastructure. Um, mm -hmm. Going back to my old hometown of Chicago, we had an L tunnel collapse a couple of years ago. Luckily, nobody with there weren't any trains in it, <laughs> so and nobody got hurt. But still, to have a tunnel collapse, hello. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Um, uh, Damon, before before you go and before we wrap this hour, I just wanted to I guess a point of personal privilege, and I think uh, Lisa will probably want to weigh in this uh, as well. But on the second, we lost a. Uh, a real, a real, uh, a real brother in the labor movement, Scott Reynolds, and uh, I know you had a very nice piece on his Facebook page, and and I just wanted to, I didn't realize that you had gone back that far with Scott, and I just uh, love for you to share some of your memories of of, uh, of Scott, longtime colleague at the AFL-CIO, and and uh, Lisa, I'd love, I know you knew Scott well too. 
Well, uh, I'll just say, Chris, Scott Reynolds worked as a, a mobilizer, an organizer for the, AF, for the AFL-CIO. Uh, from the, uh, I don't know exactly when he came to the headquarters. He was working he was in the there. field. I think he was just there. You know, just, just, <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he was working in the field. Uh, he was working in the field in Richmond, Virginia, for the state fed, for the Virginia State uh, AFL-CIO in, in the summer of 1984. And, you know, Scott died relatively young, you know, in, in his late 50s. And I realized when I heard that, that he had only been maybe 22 or 23 when I met him. In, 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 and he must have been just out of college. Uh, and I, I thought, of course, I thought of him as a very experienced guy because uh, I was 19. Uh, and uh, and uh, he, uh, he was working for the AFL-CIO youth group at the time, Frontlash. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, being a Southern trade unionist, particularly 1984, I mean, that's not easy. Uh, and, and, and Scott was, Scott was the guy who, Scott was the guy who, who like carried labor's message in the halls of the Virginia state house as a, like a kid in front of these incredibly ugly kind of Dixie characters who ran Virginia in the eighties. And, and, uh, and, uh, so I, I and I met him then when I was doing voter registration with uh, some veteran, some SNCC veterans who had organized themselves. Francis Fox Piven and uh, uh, Homer James and some other people had organized themselves into this group and gotten some foundation money to do voter registration uh, in uh, with people who you know through the through social service organizations and 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 so I, that's what I was doing in Richmond. I had no idea what I was doing. And Scott Reynolds. Uh, uh, Scott Reynolds took me in hand and, and was my friend and guide uh, uh, at that time. I'll never forget it. And, and, and he kind of showed me like what it was like to be in the labor movement, which seemed pretty cool. I liked that. And, and, uh, and, uh, and then I, I met Scott again when I came to the AFL-CIO. And I mean, not coincidentally, right? Scott was an influence on, on why I got there. And, uh, and there was, I came, back, came to the AFL-CIO in 1997. There was Scott. Uh, and, um, uh, he, uh, um, you know, he, he fought, he just fought and fought and fought and you never even realized he was fighting. Uh, he, 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 he helped save social security from George Bush. He, 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 he was there at the battle of Seattle in, again, against the WTO in 1999. He, uh, he was a key guy making uh, getting the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, he uh, he fought the the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He um, uh, you know innumerable elections at every level. I mean he, he was he was but but yeah he he helped get past Dodd Frank financial reform uh, in the field. He did the field mobilization for that. He he was a he was a he was he was a universal a universal organizer. Uh, and he was a lovely man. He was kind to everybody. You, you, you understated, uh, and funny as hell. Uh, and, he's also, and, he's also, uh, he's also very fierce. That's the thing that was great about Scott was right. he was very kind, really good consumer, but he was fierce as, as anything. I mean, yeah, you know, he, Scott was, Scott was, uh, Scott was a prince of a man and, and, and he served working people his entire life. He gave everything that he gave everything he had, everything. Uh, and, uh, um, I just, uh, I was so sad when he died, he, mm -hmm. he, he died, uh, he died on Monday and he died on Monday and, and, uh, and he died with great dignity. Uh, he called the people that he cared the most about to say goodbye. Uh, um, 
you know, it really uh, just the just the best of us. Thanks, Damon. Elise, I know I know he's a brother in the guild. And I gotta I gotta yes. be off. Thank you, Damon. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Damon. Uh, Elise, it's so great to see, great to be on the on the same camera on the same Zoom with you, Elise. Are we Take on the same care, continent? Huh? Are we on the same continent? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm I'm probably not more than like a few hundred yards from you. I'm at like uh, <laughs> I'm at like uh, what, where am I? Thirteenth and Thirteenth and Missouri. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bye. Bye. Take care.